for a scripture reading, I invite you to turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 4. I'm going to read verse 1 to verse 11, or verse 13 rather. Hebrews chapter 4, beginning at verse 1 to verse 13. We're using a pew Bible that can be found on page 1189. As I have been preaching the past several Sunday evenings, looking at the Ten Commandments in particular, I've made the point that the incarnation of Jesus Christ gives a deeper and more profound understanding, meaning to the commandments of God. Commandment number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Jesus, who is true God, the Word, became flesh and dwelt among us. Commandment number two, you shall not make for yourselves a graven image of any kind. The Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. He is the exact representation or imprint of God's nature. In Christ, the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. You see where I'm going with this? Commandment number three, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And yet God's name is reverently lifted up, taken up, when we call upon the name of Jesus. For he has the name, inherited the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and tongue confess. How can that be? Jesus Christ, the incarnation of Christ, brings a deeper, fuller meaning to the commandments of God. And now we come to commandment number four. Remember the Sabbath day to Holy, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. How does Jesus Christ and his incarnation, his person and work, bring deeper meaning and understanding to the fourth commandment? This evening we're going to read from Hebrews chapter 4 where God promises a Sabbath rest for the people of God. A Sabbath rest for the people of God. Let us now turn to our scripture reading. Let us now hear God's word. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we, have believed, for we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, 
and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joint and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. As far as the reading of God's word, may it his blessing upon the preaching and teaching of it. Congregation, I invite you to turn in your forms and prayers book. To page 246. Question and answer 103 asks, what is God's will for you in the fourth commandment? And I already quoted that commandment earlier in brief. But I'm going to ask the question, congregation, let us respond with the answer. What is God's will for you in the fourth commandment? First, that the gospel ministry and schools for it be maintained, and that especially on the festive day of rest, I diligently attend the assembly of God's people to learn what God's word teaches, to participate in the sacraments, to pray to the Lord publicly, and to bring Christian offerings for the poor. Second, that every day of my life I rest from my evil ways. Let the Lord work in me through his spirit and so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. Let's pray together. Oh, Father in heaven, we need to hear the truth. And so we pray, O oh Lord, that your truth be proclaimed in the preaching of your word. May you, O oh Lord, keep watch over my tongue and heart. May you, O oh Lord, be with your people as we together hear the word. And may we heed your word, responding in faith to it and desiring to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. O Spirit of the living God, teach us in this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Congregation of Christ, rest is the cessation of our toils, our works. It is a break from one's works. It's not a state of idleness or inactivity. It's a break from one's works. It consists of a peace and tranquility. In many respects, rest is, as we spoke of this morning, shalom. 
peace. To live in peace and tranquility and harmony with God in his dwelling place, in his presence. After the exodus from Egypt, God promised rest in the promised land. Land equals rest, where the people of God would enjoy rest from their neighbors, from the nations. God will be their God, and they will be his people, and he will be their king and lord. The people, however, didn't hear and heed the word of God, and that's the context of this passage, particularly in chapter 3, where the author expounds upon, interprets Psalm 95. The Israelites didn't enter God's rest because of unbelief. Look in your Bible, verse 19 of chapter 3. So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. And their works demonstrated or showed or proved that they didn't have faith. Chapters 3 and 4 speak profoundly of Psalm 95. King David was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the Psalms, including Psalm 95. And God, through David, reminds Israel of their hardness of heart, the rebellion in the wilderness, which resulted in God's wrath. As I swore an oath in my wrath. Did you hear that? I swore an oath, says the Lord. Just to piggyback off of last week's sermon on taking the Lord's name in vain and taking oaths. God swears an oath to himself that in his wrath they shall not enter his rest because they did not trust him. They did not trust him. And then the author continues in chapter 4 that this rest still remains. Rest still remains for the people of God. Look with me at verse 1 to 5. Therefore, while the promise of entering Still stands, let us fear lest any one of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. First the author says, let us fear lest we fail to enter God's rest. Let us fear, let us be careful. He is a tender shepherd. He's not only writing to the church, he is like a pastor who writes to the church. He loves the flock. And he loves them so much that he warns them. Let us fear lest we fail to enter. The promise of entering God's rest still stands for us. Don't fail to reach it. This word failed. 
can be also translated fall short. If you think of a runner, a long-distance runner, the Christian journey is a marathon, isn't it? You think of a long-distance runner, he comes to his final 200 yards, final 100 yards to the finish line, and he falls short, can't make it. The author is petitioning, exhorting, warning, let us fear lest we fail to finish the course to reach God's rest like our forefathers in the wilderness. Listen, friends, he doesn't assume that everyone in the congregation is a born-again believer. He doesn't assume that everyone confesses and believes in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and is saved. He's warning everyone, everyone, in the congregation, in the church, to finish the race. Lest we fall fail to enter God's rest. The good news of rest was preached to the saints of old and to us. Rest still remains for the people of God, even though the first generation that came out of Egypt rebelled against God and disobeyed Him. The rest still stands for the church, for the people who received the message of good news. What do you do with it? What do you do with the message of good news? What do you do with the message of God's rest? What do you do with it? Interestingly, at verse 4, the author says, For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Why does he recall God's rest at the end of creation? What's the connection between God's rest after creation and the promise of rest that the Israelites failed to reach and that's available to us and to his audience? Well, back in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, we hear of God's rest when the scriptures say, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. God ceased from all his work at the end of six days, and on the seventh day he rested. He didn't become idle or inactive. He rested. Even Jesus speaks to this in John chapter 5. And in fact, throughout John, the Father is working even to this day. The Father always works and the Son always works. And what context does he say that? On the Sabbath day. On the Sabbath day when Jesus heals, has mercy, preaches, teaches. Rubs shoulders with his disciples and the people. Interestingly, God doesn't give a Sabbath commandment to Adam and Eve. Do you notice that? The text says in Genesis that God rested. God rested on the seventh day and made it holy and sanctified it. There's no commandment to remember or observe the Sabbath, not until Exodus chapter 16, when God gave manna, 
to the people of Israel to gather manna six days, but on the seventh day you shall not gather it. That shall be a Sabbath. You shall rest on the seventh day. And then, of course, in Exodus chapter 20, where we hear these words, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Then he goes on to say, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Here the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, and now they are free, and God gives them a day of rest. A day that they didn't enjoy in slavery, but now that they are free and sons and daughters of God, and they are a people of God, God gives them this day of rest. A type of the rest to come. Reflecting the rest that God knew and had at creation. But the Israelites rebelled against that command. Disobeyed God. Disobeying the Sabbath day. If you're taking notes, Exodus chapter 31, Ezekiel chapter 20 speaks to this. They were exiled for many reasons, particularly because of the fourth commandment, and they defiled the fourth commandments. And then before they enter the promised land of rest, Deuteronomy chapter 5, notice what Moses says here in, in God's command. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. And then he goes on to say, the grounds for which you shall observe the Sabbath day is this now. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. The fourth commandment now is grounded in the Exodus. Why? Because the rest day, the Sabbath day, will be a day where they will commemorate their liberation, their freedom. They will have a day that God will give them where they will celebrate what God has done for them, his works. It will also be a of the covenant between Israel and their God. The nations will know that Israel has a God who lives in the heavenly places, who lives among his people. When they observe the Sabbath day, the nations will know that they are serving and worshiping their God. So the Sabbath separated the Israelites from the nations because it became a holy day of the Lord where they find rest in him. God created a people for himself his sons and daughters, to rest in him. And the Israelites disobeyed God, did not enter his rest because of unbelief. That Sabbath day that, that pointed to the rest that they would have in God. The Sabbath day remembered God's works and was a weekly remembrance of his grace and rest. It pointed to the eternal spiritual rest. Though many fail to enter this rest, God's rest still remains for the people of God. Let us fear lest we fail to reach it. 
This is a sober warning from the author who is so concerned for the church. Over and over again, the author of Hebrews pleads with the congregation to persevere in faith. In fact, if you were to put one word to Hebrews, it's perseverance. Perseverance. Persevere in faith. And you will know rest for your souls. I think this is a sober warning to us, isn't it? Especially if you've grown up in the church. I grew up in the church. I'm in like Flynn. I'm, I, I'm in. I enter heaven at, on the coattails of my parents or grandparents. No, unless you are born again, you'll not see the kingdom of heaven. Unless you repent and believe, you will not be saved. Faith worketh through love. Secondly, let us enter God's rest through faith in Jesus Christ. Hebrews 4, beginning at verse 6, he goes on to say, Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he points a, appoints a certain day today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. The Holy Spirit again through David spoke of another day, today. It's as if the word today is timeless in the Bible. Joshua led the Israelites into the promised land of rest. And they rested from their enemies. You would think all is well now. They've entered the rest. But no, they too disobeyed. But God had another day in mind. Another day purposed, planned. The rest in the promised land, the literal land, the land that people are fighting over in the Middle East right now, was a type or is a type of a greater land, a greater rest. David spoke of another day after Joshua brought Israel into the land of rest. The day is coming. The day is coming of the Messiah who secured our rest by his death resurrection, and ascension to the right hand of the Father. And we enter this rest. We enter God's rest through Christ and Christ alone. Today, if you hear His voice, whether you're in the sanctuary or listening online, if you hear His voice, do not close your heart to Him. Do not harden your heart 
as the Israelites in the wilderness would serve as an example for us today. Can't help but to hear the plea of this author for the people who knew persecution, who knew suffering, who desired to go back to the old covenant way. Because to live the Christian life and all its persecutions that followed it were difficult and challenging and hard. No, the author saying Jesus is the greater Moses. Jesus is the greater Joshua. Jesus is the one who brings us into that eternal Sabbath rest. He leads his people to rest. Which goes back to that rest in creation. Back at creation in Genesis 2, when God rested from his works, it doesn't say that he ceased resting, did it? There's a rest for the people of God that is eternal in this life and in the life to come. And we enter that rest, the same rest God had from the, be the beginning of creation on the seventh day where we rest from our labors and works in the Lord. And we rest from our evil deeds. The fourth commandment finds its deeper and more profound meaning in the Lord Jesus. The second part of Lord's Day 38 says, that every day of my life I rest from my evil ways. Let the Lord work in me through his spirit. And so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. Beautifully stated. There's something that we need to take note of in the Lord's Day 38. If you've noticed, it says nothing about what you can't do, but what you should do. Did you notice that? And we'll look more into that in a moment. But we enter God's rest now and in the future. We enter that Sabbath rest. Thirdly, let us strive to enter God's rest. In verse 11, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience for the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Persevere, strive. To strive means to, to make haste, to exert yourself to enter that rest. To hold on to Jesus by faith alone. And he gives a reason why we, we must enter God's rest. He says, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. The same sort of disobedience that happened in the wilderness when they disobeyed God and they did not enter rest because of unbelief. No, strive, exert yourself. Looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. 
It is no wonder then why the author will later say, do not neglect the gathering of the saints because the day is evil. Strive to enter God's rest by persevering in faith in the Lord's word and promise in Jesus Christ. Let us not take this promise of rest for granted. That's the danger, isn't it? To take God's word, take the good news for granted. Because when we take it for granted, that's when we become spiritually lazy. Let us not take God's promise of rest for granted. Because at the end of the day, God's word will expose us for who we are. You notice that in verses 12 and 13, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. No creature is hidden from his sight. All are naked and exposed before him. We may think, we may think that we have God fooled. We may think that we have people fooled. And we may even fool people. But we can't fool God. We can't fool God. Strive to enter God's rest, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. It ultimately all points to Jesus, doesn't it? Who is our Sabbath rest? He is our Sabbath rest. He is the deeper, more profound meaning of the fourth commandment. And so for true believers, the day has come when we enter that rest from our works. And in fact, every day, every day, every day, is a Sabbath rest. Every day is a holy day. Because when we rest from our works in Christ, we experience an eternal Sabbath rest now, and therefore every day is a Sabbath day. Every day is holy to the Lord and to be lived before the face of God. Well, does this mean that the fourth commandment becomes obsolete? That's the question. That's the question that churches and denominations try to understand and try to seek the relevance or application of the fourth commandment. But it's important to note this, that the fourth commandment is part of the Ten Commandments. Well, duh. The Ten Commandments are God's moral law. So what does that mean for the church? Is there a one day in seven? The New Testament speaks to the assembly of the saints. It speaks to the gathering of the saints. It speaks to the hearing of God's word. That's why in the catechism, if you have it open, says that first, 
that the gospel ministry in schools for it be maintained, and that especially on the festive day of rest, I diligently attend the assembly of God's people to learn what God's word teaches, to participate in sacraments, to pray to the Lord publicly, and to bring Christian offerings for the poor, which teach of the New Testament's witness to that gathering of the saints, that one day in seven, when the saints of God come together to worship our Lord and to give praise to his name. The New Testament doesn't explicitly state that the Sabbath day of the Old Covenant has changed into the Christian Sabbath on Sunday, from Saturday to Sunday. I mean, if you notice in your Heidelberg Catechism, what, is, what do we call each section or each part? Lord's Days. Now, if you want to call it the Christian Sabbath, that's fine. The Christian festive day of rest. But there is application to the fourth commandment, and that is the worship of God by the church. The worship of God by the church, physically coming together, assembling together, as Hebrews 10 points out. Do not, do not neglect the gathering of the saints. And why on Sunday? Why on Sunday? Well, what happened on Sunday? Think about the, the text referenced earlier. Deuteronomy 5 was grounded in what? The Exodus. What is our worship on Sunday grounded in? What do we commemorate? What do we celebrate? We celebrate and commemorate our freedom in Christ, the resurrection of the dead. That's why the New Testament church gathered together, assembled together on Sunday, the first day of the week, also called in the scriptures the Lord's Day. So we gather together as God's people because we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. Every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. The Heidelberg Catechism carefully and wisely states that the church enjoys the festive day of rest. The festive day of rest is a foreshadowing of our eternal rest in heaven with the triune God. And on this day of resurrection, we commemorate Christ's victory. We commemorate our, the freedom we have in Christ. We commemorate the fact that we are no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to righteousness. We celebrate, we celebrate the new creation. The new creation that God has wrought, that God has accomplished. Fourth commandment remains the same in the old and new in this sense. The people of God who are called by his name come together to worship and praise his great name with joy and gladness because of his mighty works. His mighty works of salvation and redemption. In the New Testament era, the Sabbath takes on a richer meaning 
because of Christ's work of salvation, because of his precious work, we live every day in the joy of God's rest and rest from our sins and evil through faith in Jesus Christ. And this Lord's Day and every Lord's Day, friends, remember this, that this is a shadow, a foreshadowing, ever so dimly a foreshadowing of the magnificent, beautiful Sabbath rest that will be experienced and known for all eternity. And that day is yet to come. But even on this day, on this Lord's Day, we long for it, do you not? Do you not long for that Sabbath rest? That shalom? That peace? That day when we will rest from all our labors and know rest in God. A rest that on this side of glory, I'm not quite sure we can wrap our mind around. I'm not quite sure we can even wrap our mind around what rest really looks like. Particularly God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the assembly of the saints. We thank you, O Lord, that you call your people to gather together in the name of Jesus Christ to know rest in you. We thank you that on this day we commemorate and celebrate the victory that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, purchased for us. His victory over sin, death, and hell. And because of him, we have access to that rest. But as the author of Hebrews reminds us and warns us, we pray, O Lord, that by your grace you would strengthen us in faith, that you, O Lord, would grant us what we stand in need of to finish the race that is set before us. May we learn from those who did not enter your rest by looking to Jesus, the one who did earn and purchase and Secure our rest. Looking to Jesus, the one who paid it all. Oh, Father in heaven, we pray that you would give us, give us a deeper appreciation and love. A deeper desire for the Lord's day. That we, oh Lord, would be ready always to serve you in this day and every day as we go about our week living before your face, quorum Dio, in the eternal Sabbath rest that we know now. Father, grant us your grace, we pray. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to turn in your 